You guys ready to rock and roll? Third time's the charm. Um, all righty, so last week Jordan uh, spoke a really powerful, how many of you were here last week? Yep. Jordan spoke a super powerful message on um, what does it mean to have spiritual vision? What does it mean to see in the spirit, to be a people of revelation, to be a people who, who hear God and get spiritual insight on where we're supposed to go and what we're supposed to do? And it was super awesome and it was super powerful and it climaxed actually at the very end where he talked about where we get spiritual insight and where we get vision for our life in the spirit is, is by abiding in God by abiding in him and, and spending that intimate time each and every day with Jesus. And as I was processing with the Lord and, and asking him uh, kind of what that looks like, he, he gave me a message for tonight that I'm, I'm super excited to talk about. So we're going to kind of build on that concept of, of uh, abiding. Because um, how many of you have been Christians for a while and have heard that word a, a lot, right? And we know what it means, but practically, like, it's hard to figure out what, what to do with that, right? Because, like, no other normal human that's not a Christian uses the word abide. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like one of those weird Christianese words that we use a lot of the time. We know what it means, but I'm really looking forward to trying to figure out if we can go on this journey together and figure out to really how to apply that, right? What does it look like for us to practically abide? So we're going to go on that journey. You excited for it? Cool. So I'm going to be sharing actually out of one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible. It's a story that you are all very familiar with, um, as am I. And I'm, I'm, it's kind of funny that we're coming out of a series where we talked about the importance of reading the Bible in its context and, and understanding the cultural engagement of what was going on at that time. Um, it's funny we're coming out of that series because it's actually this passage when I was in college down at Vanguard University in Southern California where my professor Bill Doctrum exegeted this passage that we're going to read today. It's in a, pas a passage that I've heard a billion times, and he exegeted it in such a beautiful way, and it brought so much deeper revelation to my life where I said, oh my gosh, like I want to give myself to studying the Bible so I can get more and more and more revelation. And what I have discovered, even stinking this morning, you guys, I was telling Susanna, she walked in, and I'm, I'm just kind of like freaking out. Like I have read this verse, this story that we're, we're going to be talking about about hundreds of times. I read it probably 30 times this week, and the last time I read it this morning, I got more revelation on it than I've ever gotten in my life, because the depths of God are never-ending, right? This word, is, it's never-ending. There is no limit to the depth of revelation that we can get if we continually pursue Him, amen? And so today, we're going to be talking about Jesus on the boat in the storm, yeah, I love this story, right? And so open up with me to your Bibles to Mark chapter 4, uh, verse 35 through 41. Um, but before I jump into it, it's important to set some context for, for what's going on here. So Jesus is about 
six to eight months into his ministry, um, he, he, the disciples at this point only know him as teacher and rabbi. They do not know him as Messiah yet. Okay, it's really important to understand that they, they do not suspect that Jesus is, is this crazy, powerful Messiah like me and you know Jesus, right? Like, I think sometimes it's really important when we're reading the Bible, like, G, like the disciples for most of the, the story don't know he's God, you know, that, that's, that's the after-revelation of the life and ministry of Jesus. And so, so at this point, the disciples aren't aware. They, they know he's anointed by God. They know he's a mighty prophet, but they call him rabbi. They call him teacher. And so Jesus had, had just got done preaching the gospel, not preaching the gospel, preaching all day along the Sea of Galilee. And there were so many people that came and scattered all around the beach. Jesus was, was, had to go into the boat to preach a bunch of messages. And he spent the whole entire, entire day preaching a bunch of parables, all these awesome ones. He, he preached the, uh, the importance of having faith the size of, the, of a mustard seed. He preached the importance of the kingdom. And, and we have this gift, which is the light, and it's a lamp. And no, none of us would put a basket onto it, right? It was like a lot of his really motivational, awesome stuff. It wasn't his convicting, soul-wrenching. You read this and you're like, oh man, Jesus, you are gnarly, man. It's like, it's the stories that were, I mean, the sermons that Jesus was preaching where he's like, have faith in God. The kingdom can grow. Just, just a little mustard seed, it can grow and it can have impact and it's awesome and it's powerful and everyone would have left going, yes, with a renewed faith. Faith in God. We have to have the faith in the one true God and, and at the end of the day, He's tired, and he looks at the disciples when evening had come and said to them, let us go across to the other side. In leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, Rabbi, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Other translations say, and there was a perfect calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And then they were filled with an even greater fear <laughs> and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? So there's a lot going on here in this story. Jesus just got done preaching and teaching these powerful messages on having faith in God and letting the kingdom shine. And if you put a basket over the kingdom, you're ridiculous because we got to let the light shine, right? And he gets done speaking these powerful messages, and then he looks at the disciples, and he says, yo, homies, let's go to the other side. Already at this moment, the disciples would have been frustrated with Jesus, 
they would have already been frustrated with Jesus, not because it was a long day of work and they really needed to sit and contemplate all the messages. They, They were used to it, right? They were fishermen. They were used to traveling through the night. The reason they were actually frustrated already in this moment was because good Jewish boys were taught as kids that you don't go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Like, you don't, you don't go over there, and you don't go over there because who lives over there is a bunch of Gentile pagan worshipers. So, so a good Jewish boy is like a privileged person who only stays around their singular community for their whole life. And so when Jesus looked at them and said, hey, let's go over there, they're like, dude, why are you telling us that we should go to the place that my mom and dad said we should never, ever go? That's where the demon people live. That's where where the prophets of Baal settled after Elijah kicked their butt. Right? The gods, I mean, even to this day, you guys, there's hundreds and hundreds of statues and monuments built to these pagan gods. These gods of the wind. Gods of the sea. Gods who bring storms. And, and difficulties, and, and even more fearful. And so the disciples would have already been fearful, and even more fearful because a lot of ancient um, texts believe that Baal actually would have his showdowns, his wars with other gods on the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus is looking at them and saying, let's go over there. Let's go over there. And so they get in the boat, they obey him because he's their rabbi, he's their teacher. And they get in the boat, they're already ticked at him though. I mean like, they're ticked. They get in the boat and they're on their way and what happens? A storm happens. A storm so bad that they start thinking they're going to die. And why are they afraid? They're afraid because it's a storm. But who, what caused the storm? The God's on the other side. And they're thinking the, the, the storm is happening because the gods that their parents always told them to go, don't go over there, are now causing a storm because Jesus of Nazareth, who they've heard about, is on his way. And so they're thinking at this moment is, oh no, these guys are mad at us because my boss wants us to go over there. And we're going to die. They sent, they sent their storms to, to take us down. And you see, they didn't really have a backup plan. They didn't know how to swim. No, I'm serious. Jewish people didn't know how to swim. They saw big, large bodies of water. As, as They didn't see it like we see it. We see big, large oceans and lakes and all this stuff. And we're like, oh, that's beautiful. Right? Like, I, I mean, I'm from California. So, like, I actually love when, when there's a storm on the beach and, like, the waves are going. Like, it's beautiful. But not to the disciples. To the disciples, they're like, that's where hell is, where it doesn't end, right? They're like, if we go overboard, this sucks. This isn't good. And then they go running back to Jesus in this 14-foot boat, and he's asleep on the cushion. The cushion in the back of the boat. Do you want to know why the cushion is there? The cushion is there to sit your butt on so you could steer the boat. They go to Jesus and say, 
Why don't you care that we are about to die? I read this story so many times thinking that the disciples were noble and powerful and and went to Jesus believing that he was going to do a miracle like they thought he was going to calm the sea and the storm. They said, teacher, why are you sleeping? You're supposed to be steering the boat. But he's not steering the boat. And because he's not steering the boat, what's happening? Water is coming into the boat. And they are about to sink. Because how many of you know, if Jesus was awake and steering the boat, the boat wouldn't take on as much water because it's heading into the direction of the storm. But when someone's not steering the boat, the the boat turns sideways and water comes into it. And so they're ticked. They're, They're not happy. This guy had a brilliant idea of heading to the other side. And, and now all the gods are mad. And not only that, he's not doing his job. He's sleeping. And Jesus nobly and powerfully <laughs> gets up and utters three words. Peace, be still. And in a single moment, all chaos All panic, all disorder was perfect peace. Three words, peace, be still. And then Jesus looks at the disciples (laughs) and says, why are you so afraid? Where is your faith? The disciple, then the scripture says that the disciples were then filled with an even greater fear and said, who is this standing in our boat who has spent all this time with us that even the wind and the sea obey him? They were confronted with this reality of the man that was in their boat was either one or two people. The man in their boat was either one of the gods on the other side, which they obviously knew that wasn't the case because he was a good Jewish boy. (laughs) This man that was in their boat was the one that Israel has been longing for. And it was, it was the first moment where Jesus began to reveal who he was to the disciples. And they were filled with this awestruck wonder, this reality check of, oh my gosh. The, can you imagine the conviction they felt when Jesus looked at them And said, where's your faith? Why are you so afraid? Because in that moment, what was Jesus addressing? Jesus was addressing that their faith was really in what they feared. Their, 
they're, they're, they had more, you can look at it one or two ways. If that disturbs you, fine. The other better way of saying it, they, they had, they feared the other gods more than they had faith in their God. But now their God's in the boat with them. <laughs> Asking, why are you so afraid? I just was preaching and teaching to you all day about having faith the size of a mustard seed. Like that, that much. I was just, I was just talking to you about like how, how the kingdom is light. <laughs> and, and it's not this, this, I mean, he's not being a jerk. Jesus isn't a jerk, you know. But, but what we see in this story is that, that Jesus confronts where's our faith. And, and as I was reading this story, you guys, I, I began to feel so much conviction. So much conviction for my own. This is the revelation that I got this morning. So, so much conviction. Because, you know, the disciples... They went to Jesus in their time of need, and he, he answered them. He was sleeping. He, he got around to it and calmed the, the storm. But, but it made me think, like so many times in my life, when a storm is going on around me, when chaos is going on around me, when, 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 when fear and anxiety come my way, I, I, I'm a good Christian boy. Like, I know I'm supposed to head into the prayer room. I know that that fear isn't good, right? That's not a shocker for any of us in here, right? Like, like we all know, fear's not of the kingdom. Like, that's not mind-blowingly, like, new news for any of us. But what the Lord showed me this morning is so often when I'm in my moments of crisis, in my moments of, of whatever storm, the storm is in my way, I'll go and I'll get on my knees and, and I'll pray and I'll ask God to save me from the situation. I'll say, God, come on, help me. And I start contending and I start fighting and I start going for it. And what does it often feel like? Jesus is sleeping. Anyone else ever feel that way? Because he is. <laughs> He's sleeping. And because when I'm coming to him, even though I'm being a good Christian boy, getting on my knees praying, what's my heart posture actually in that moment? Fear. And so I'm actually praying in fear. And I want to be clear, that's not sin. That's okay. It says, come to me all who are weak and I will give you rest. Like, like we're, we are allowed to go to Jesus and, and, and pray in fear. That's okay. And get, it, he might be sleeping. You might have to wait, shake him and wake him up a little bit. And he will look at your storm. And he will bring peace. And he will say, be still. But then he'll look at you and utter that same question that he's uttered me this morning. And that he uttered his disciples. And he said, okay, why are you so afraid? Where is your faith? Do you see, 
Why I think the Lord is bringing this passage to us tonight, and honestly why I think he gave me the revelation this morning, because this passage isn't necessarily addressing a sin issue. It's addressing a question of do you want to have a kingdom perspective, and do you want to say yes to the more of God? Because the more of God actually doesn't act like the disciple. (laughs) The, The more of God is partnering in doing what Jesus did. And what did Jesus do? Jesus looked on the other side. He looked on the other side, the demon-possessed, dark place where all the other gods are, and said, I'm going there, and I'm going to sleep in the storm on my way there. And then when I get there the next morning, when the most demon-possessed person that we ever read about in the Bible comes and confronts me, this guy, this guy that's in the next story, he's the most demon-possessed person I believe that we read of in the Bible. It says he was filled with so many demons that when they tried to cage him down, he would just rip them off. Right? And Jesus uttered then, again, a few words to him. And what happened? He was set free. You see, Jesus Jesus knew storms were coming. Jesus knew trial was going to hit. Jesus knew all of this stuff was going to happen. But he didn't even realize it. Why? Because he had a kingdom perspective and he had kingdom vision. And God is looking at us tonight and he's saying, hey, I have an invitation to the more for you all tonight. I have an invitation of do we want to be a church? Do we want a people that when storms hit, we're just good Christian boys and girls and get on our knees and cry out for God to help or do we want to be good Christian boys and girls who are hungry for the more of God and when storms come our way be a people who decide to partner with what God is doing rather than partner what our flesh wants to do right amen and so what is Jesus doing here Jesus is modeling how the kingdom works and how faith works and how does the kingdom work in this story it works from a place of Rest. You see that? He was sleeping. <laughs> and when I'm going to talk about rest tonight, I'm going to talk about two different, two different ways, like the physical rest of our bodies, and I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. But, but I'm also going to talk about what does it look like to, to walk in, in, in a heart posture of rest. Because that's what Jesus did. When a storm was in his way, he didn't panic. Why? Because he was resting and abiding in God. Okay, the, the word rest and abide, I believe, can be interchanged often throughout Scripture. Not all the time. Some theologians might say I'm a heretic right now. But I believe that it can be, it, like, interchanged sometimes. Right? In one gospel, you see the Holy Spirit. It said In the Greek, it says the Holy Spirit abided on Jesus. And in another gospel, it says the Holy Spirit rested upon Jesus. And the Greek word uh, uh, abide is the Greek word meno, and it means to be held and kept continually, not to depart from. I'm going to say that again. It's the Greek word meno. It means to be held and kept continually, not to depart from. What I love about this picture and this word, it's two ways. To abide in God is to be held by him and kept continually. Our role is not to depart from there. 
To be held and to be kept, this, this is where I think the distinction comes. To be held and to be kept is resting in God. Not to depart from is the our job of abiding in him. Yeah, does that, does that make sense? I think that's good and that didn't get any response. Right? Like a kingdom perspective looks at storms and is able to sleep through them. Why? Because they're resting, abiding in how God sees that situation. Okay, but, okay, are we good to be real here for a second? Okay, I'm a pastor, and I'll be frank. I still go, I still fear all the time. I still get stressed out. I still get anxious. Right? Am I, am I the only one? We still feel these things, okay? That's not going to change. We live in this world. We're still going to be confronted with these things in our life, unless you are, like, incredibly anointed at holding every thought captive, and I'm working on it. But the reality is, is we are going to, some of us are going to hear this message and we're going to be so inspired to abide in God. We're going to be so inspired to rest in him. And a storm's probably going to come tomorrow. And you're going to feel anxious. And you're going to feel fear. And why fear, this, this is a quote of our pastor Jordan Werner, fear is a cold-blooded killer. And fear, what fear does, it wants to make you feel as far from abiding as possible. And then guilt and shame comes in. And then we get into this cycle of never, of, of not abiding. <laughs> and constantly going into fear. That's, that's why there's so much dysfunction in families and in our own lives all the time. Because we go to fear once, we feel guilty and shameful about it. Forget about it for a little bit and then keep going, right? And so let's get practical. This is what I felt like the Lord wanted to speak. Let's get practical about this. I believe tomorrow, this week, when a storm comes, when we feel fear, when we feel anxiety, when we feel stressed out, what is our response going to be? We need to be people who go back to where we lost our peace Figure out why we lost it and then get God's perspective on it. Like that's as practical as we can get. Process it with someone else if you have to. Like, like that's how we're going to be a people who constantly rest and abide in God. We're a people who abide in him in the morning. We get intimate with him. We read our word. We worship. Then we go throughout our day trying our best to be constantly aware with what he is doing. But there will most likely be a moment where we, we slip up. And our job in that moment is to go back to where we lost our peace. And, and so we don't have to wait for God to look at us when we start begging and he's sleeping, <laughs> right? And we can just go to him and say, oh, wait, Lord, I don't want you to ask me, why, like, where's my fear? Like, where's my faith? I'm faithful. I'm standing where I think I lost it. Lord, will you help me process why I'm afraid? Will you help me realize and process why I lost my peace? Right? And I believe if we do this, we're gonna be, we're gonna see things around us begin to change. Yeah, amen. Like, 
Like, here's the deal. How, the, the Lord gave this to me yesterday at the marriage conference. Like, how, how we navigate storms matters. <laughs> like, it, like, it's really important how we navigate storms. And it's important because I believe if we do, if we handle storms well, and if we literally get God's vision for the storms and God's perspective for the, for the things and the chaoses that are going on in our life, then we're actually going to always respond in a place of peace. And when we respond in a place of peace, what we're going to see is legacies being built. One of my favorite things about this church is this church doesn't exist for me and you. Right? My, I think the number one thing why people are so attracted to Riverhouse is because this church is in the business of being a church that builds legacies. Uh, we're going after God not just for ourselves. We're going after God to see transformation in our families, transformation in our city, transformation in our co Like, right, that's what we're going after this for. And people will notice how we respond and how we navigate storms. Jesus wasn't doing this awesome miracle calming the sea just to show the disciples how powerful and cool he was. Right? Like, he wasn't just like, oh, I'm over you. Peace, be still. Get how powerful I am. Like, like no. Jesus did this because he was intentional. He knew that when he was going to go to heaven and leave them, the disciples were going to be the ones carrying the mantle, carrying the mission of bringing the kingdom of God to earth. He knew that they were going to be persecuted. He knew that they were going to be stoned and hurt. He knew all of hell was going to come up against him. And so what did he do? He modeled how to respond and act in a storm by sleeping through it. <laughs> That's so gnarly. So the disciples knew when their time came to carry the mantle, to carry keeping on the legacy, they could remember that man that was standing in the boat. Peace, be still. The sea and the storms with three words, peace, be still. The same man that looked at them and said, everything that I can do, you can as well. And even greater works will you do. Because he wanted us to walk with the kingdom vision. The best thing we can do to have healthy families, the best thing we can do to be a healthy church is to be a people who walked with kingdom, kingdom vision, kingdom perspective, continually walking in a heart posture of rest, abiding in him. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> I'm tired. Um. I'm going to close briefly with this. Um, I, I didn't want to talk a lot about uh, how to rest our bodies because I think that's really individualistic, right? The way that we each rest our physical bodies uh, is individual. Some people it's sleep, some people it's napping. For me, it's, it's, it's other things, whatever. And so I didn't want to teach a lot on that. But I, I do want to mention, like, resting our bodies is just as important 
as moving from a heart posture of rest. And I actually believe that we won't be able to spiritually walk in a heart posture of rest if we aren't physically resting our bodies. And, and, and I, we see this in the Bible. I mean, we see this in Jesus. What did Jesus value more than panicking? He could have easily stayed up and looked at the disciples and really taught them and say, okay, guys, we are in a storm. What is the first thing that we do here? No, he was done teaching. He just taught all day. He stinking gave him a forewarning, in my opinion. But no, he prioritized rest. He slept. And it's actually built into our DNA that we are called, that our bodies are supposed to physically rest. Did you know that the Jewish day technically starts at sunset? And it starts at sunset. Why? Because they wanted their day to start with rest so that they're working from a place of rest rather than often our perspective is we work so that we can rest. In Genesis, what does it say? There was evening, then there was morning, the first day. You see? Yeah? That's what you learn when you spend a lot of money on college. <laughs> Amen. Thanks, Pops. But seriously, I, this is important. Like, th this is really, really, really important that we rest our bodies because it is built into our DNA. You guys, this is really countercultural. Like, for us to do this well, we have to walk counterculturally. Counter because what is, the, what is the essence of the American life? You work your butt off for 65 years so that you can rest the rest of them. But no, we are supposed to work from a place of rest. We are supposed to prioritize this. You guys, I was really, really, really bad at this. You can ask my brother. Before I moved here, I was, I was, I was burnt out on so many different levels. And, and it wasn't because of anyone else, but for my own decision to value other things more than my own physical rest. God had to pump my butt all the way to Germany for me to figure out how to rest. You don't want God to send you to Germany to learn how to rest. It's really expensive. You know? And so I believe, like, this is the word that the Lord has for us. And I don't even necessarily think it's a word um, of correction or a word that's really that new for any of us. But more of a word to make sure we can steward this special movement that we have. How many of you know what we have here is special? How many of you know, like, like, like come on, let's be real. We know it. Like, what's happening in this church doesn't happen everywhere. The kind of people that are here aren't, I'm like, I stink and keep meeting people and crying. <laughs> like, I had a volunteer meeting, what I thought was going to be a volunteer meeting with Mike Evanson this week, and I spent my butt crying the whole time because of the powerful man of God that, like, there's so many powerful people here. And I believe God wanted me to share this word because I just failed at it really bad at my last job. Like, like really bad. And it's not fun. 
And I think for us to steward what God's going to do in this church in its full context, we need to be a people who link arms side by side and are intentional about, about stewarding this season. In our revival group this week, Josh shared about how he, how he doesn't get burnt out by, by the way he structures his life. Like he schedules out his, his time with Jesus. He schedules so many parts of his day. And, and I was like kind of offended by it at first and kind of like, oh, that's so not me. But I honestly realized, like, I've been doing so much better of a job of being intentional about how I craft my time. And when I am intentional with how I craft my time, I am able to be in a heart posture of resting with God. You see? So let's be people who link arm in arm and hold each other accountable to this. Amen? All righty. We're done. Stand up. By the third time, I'm just, whoo! I like used to think I couldn't get tired. It's just like really not the case. Um, why don't you hold hands with the person next to you? I uh, can you actually can someone dim the lights back there too? Um, I I really feel. I asked the Lord how He wanted to do response tonight. If you wanted there to be ministry, I want, I want, and I really felt like he said no. Um, I want, I want this, uh, he, he showed me this picture of us holding hands. And it's like the coolest thing for me to see ever from my position up here. But I'll take a picture maybe and show you. But it's really powerful because I, I honestly believe the Lord showed me this picture because the only way that we're going to be able to do this is if we do it together. I, I think so often we forget about the importance of unity, guys, and the importance of leaning on our brother and sister, the importance of, of, of accountability. Like, no, we need each other. If we're going to do this, we really, really need each other. And so... Let's just close our eyes. And Jesus, we just, we just say yes right now to the call, of the, the higher call of partnering with the kingdom vision and a kingdom mindset. God, we say yes right now to holding each other accountable to that. We say yes right now, God, to when we see our brother and sister to our right and to our left, when we see them going to fear, going to anxiety, going to stress, we commit and say yes right now, God, to asking them, to encouraging them to go back to where they lost their peace. So we don't get into this cycle of fear constantly. We say yes, God to doing it for the person on our right, the person on our left. And also, we expect it in return the same. And so, Holy Spirit, we trust you. We yield to you. 
We thank you, God, that we can come to you when we are tired. We thank you we can come to you in the storms. And we thank you, God, that you do give us rest. We thank you, God. We thank you, Jesus, for being able to utter three words, peace, be still. And there's a perfect calm. We thank you that you've now given us that same authority. And I just believe the Holy Spirit, if right now... You, you, you just feel like you've been in this really unhealthy cycle of fear and you feel like storms are just following you right and left. I just want you to, to maybe put up your hand. I know it's vulnerable, but you just put up your hand and, and we're just going to pray for you really quick. Yeah, if the person next to you has their hand raised, just put your arm around them or, or hold them or whatever and just, just start praying for them really quick. Lord, we just pray, everyone right now out loud, God, we just pray that the storm stops right now, Jesus. Jesus, everyone pray, come on. We, we partner with what, how you see this situation. We partner, we partner with how you see it. We partner with hope. We partner with peace. We partner with joy, God. We speak freedom. I pray for everyone right now who feels like their mind is caught in this trap. And I pray perfect peace. I say peace, be still. And I thank you, God, that we can come to you. So Jesus, we love you, we praise you, and we worship you, and all God's people said, amen.